all right folks yeah it's it's one of those days it's been about uh it's been about five or six months since we've had a day like this since the publication of the initial draft of 800-171 revision three uh the biggest revision in the history of the 800-171 standard because revision one and revision two really didn't do much at all this is actually a major overhaul of the 800-171 standard and it's a big deal i actually had people messaging me on linkedin yesterday saying why is everybody making such a big deal out of this like why is it that every update around 171 seems to trigger such a huge reaction and i was like well there's a lot at stake every single yeah. little change in addition costs money costs time costs effort to understand and it is reflected in things like cmmc and winning contracts and i mean this is you know there's there's real stuff tied to the way that 800-171 changes and evolves over time maybe more so than any other standard that's out there currently uh and so just any indication that there are changes around the corner uh triggers a lot of attention you were at the ab ecosystem summit yesterday everyone was on pins and needles as victoria pilateri co-author of 171 171a the cui series 853 uh the overall catalog you know had everyone in the palm of her hand waiting i was i was waiting for her to go full oprah and be like everybody look under your seat if you look under your chairs <laughs> look under your hard seats copies. it's 171a you get 171 yeah. and you get 171 she didn't do that came out uh let's see uh not that long ago um not that long ago so today's the big day the revision yeah. is out and in true to fashion we're going to talk about seven things that people need to know as sort of big high level initial takeaways uh about the drafts about the draft of 171 about the draft of 171a uh there's a lot to digest there's a lot of new stuff completely coincidental of total of number of things that we wanted to point out there, there, yeah, there's it's no great. rhyme have, logic or reason i don't know how we end up here it's we just have a, a weird divine number it's always seven things and more yeah. on more details on lists of seven things uh later on in the show uh, which I, I for sure thought you just called me a moron, um, which, is, which is hilarious. So you were not at the AB summit yesterday when Vicky no. presented, right? Um, and, right? and one of the things we, we, we found out yesterday that this document was going to be released today, right? And in all its its glory and glamour. And one of the things that was most um, impactful about that presentation was as she started to announce things, everybody thought that that was the time, right? And so everybody would lean forward, like, you know, in the movies, like when somebody's about to yeah. say the secret word, it's just yeah. like, oh, oh, no, she didn't say it. Oh, 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 no, she didn't. And then she finally said it. And people were like cheering. It was awesome. It was a good time. Well, and, um, you know, there is, there is, um, you know, there is more attention being paid to the developments of this standard, I think. Um, it's because then, the ripple then, effects, right? Because what is, sure. is impacted by it, right? What one ripple that starts right now at NIST and the engineering of this document is going to ripple throughout the defense industrial base and every other organization like the DOD, through DHS, the entire whatever. federal, yeah, the entire so federal contracting base. Not just there the is a lot of a yeah. lot of weight that goes on to this document. So I can fully understand why it's anticipated, yeah. and especially when you get a full overhaul. We talked yeah. about this a little bit, um, where it's kind of like overhauling a, a, a NFL franchise, right? You want to get a new culture in there. You want to get we're turning this franchise this, around. <laughs> we've got new ownership. We're looking for a coach, and in three we're or four months, we're going to have the coach. Around. Yeah. But oh, yeah, man. so. Okay. 
Okay, well, I can't wait anymore. We got to get into the details. Yeah, dude. We got to get everybody it. what they need to know. Like I said, there's a lot to dive into. There's a lot of details. Uh, there is plenty of time to submit public comments through the holidays. So everyone needs to take their time and read through the document. We're going to have more detailed, in-depth, deep dive coverage. Duck div. <laughs> what is it from Dodgeball? Duck dip dive dodge and dodge? <laughs> sure. Sure. So yeah. we're going to have a bunch of deep dives coming up about specific topics, but these are the seven things that people need to know initially to help okay. frame their reading of the standards. Okay. So first thing, some, some rapid fire housekeeping stuff. Sure. Okay. Quick refresher, the relationship between 171, the CUI series and CMMC. The CUI series is what NIST refers to as the collection of documents derived from 853. 800 the assessment procedures for verifying those requirements, 800 800-172, 800-172A, the assessment procedures for verifying those requirements. Programs that are assessing and verifying contractor implementation like DOD's CMMC program seek to verify that those requirements are implemented via the procedures in 171A and 172A. So as those standards change in the CUI series, the assessment programs like CMMC are updated to reflect the revisions to those standards. So mm -hmm. CMMC is a program that is dependent on the way that the standards change and evolve over time. They are heavily dependent on one another, but they are independent things. They are independent programs, different agencies, different uh, Spider-Man uh, characters pointing on the Spider-Man meme. Okay. Another quick refresher. What triggered the revision to the CUI series? What's causing all of these revisions that we've been seeing uh, over the last uh, year or so? The main reason why there is a revision is because the CUI series documents are derived from the overall 853 catalog. Every version of the CUI series standards up through revision two, as we currently know it today, is based on 853 revision four, which has been the longstanding version of 853 for years and years. 853 was revised to revision five in September of 2020. And so mm -hmm. as a result, the material, the, 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 the source material, specifically the moderate baseline of 853 has changed. Therefore, derivative standards like 171, 171A, 172, 172A, need to be updated to reflect those revisions, right? They are not independent. Absolutely. They are subsequent from the 53 catalog. Now you'll hear some people be like, well, needs to be updated to address new threats. That's true. But the real reason is because the source material has been updated. And so now the derivative standards are being updated. Okay. Um, quick clarification here for housekeeping. 171 Rev 3 says final draft. 171A says initial draft. Uh, that is um, just because this is the first draft of 171A that's been published. The thing you need to know is these are both the last drafts before the revisions become final in spring of 2024, Q1 spring of 2024. So there will not be a final draft of 171A. We're gonna go straight to the final revisions. The next thing that gets published in a few months will be the final version of both documents. So don't get, don't get thrown off by that. Okay. So 
Oh, and with those final revisions, do you anticipate a lot of changes between now the final draft and the final revision? I think that um, I think that there's always there's always going to be room for some changes, as right. we'll see. Uh, there are changes um, between their initial draft and their final draft. Uh, quick point of clarification here: uh, all of our analysis in the show and in the blog that will follow this show that we'll link to. Um, is going to be focused on the difference between the current 800-171 Rev 2 and the final draft of 171 Rev 3, not the delta from Rev 2 to the initial draft to the final draft, right? That, the initial draft that, is basically Kaiser Sose. It's vanished. It, it never existed. It, yeah. Now, it's interesting to look at when you do deep dives into NIST's reasoning and, and developing mm -hmm. your comments, but for high-level takeaways, it's just an extra step that, as of this draft, is now not as relevant. Now, when you look at the, the sequence of changes between the drafts, there is still room for them to change some things uh, in the final revision. But the way I describe it is uh, the cone of uncertainty of the storm and where it's going to land uh, is getting smaller and smaller with, with this draft. Like we, we pretty much know the magnitude, uh, you know, the, the, the outlines of what, what NIST is going to do in, in the spring, right? It's not now, is there still the customary 90-day comment period for this draft or is it different? Uh, yeah, so this comment period is going to go all the way until January 12th of 2024. So uh, Vicky yesterday at the summit said, hey, we're going to have this longer extended comment period, one, because of the holidays, and two, because we released 171 and 171A together. And this is really mm -hmm. great. This is something that they said uh, at their webinar with the initial public draft of 171 Rev 3 back in May. They were going to release both documents together, which is a new thing for NIST. NIST has done the waterfall uh, method in the past where they have uh, released 53, finished it, and then released 53A, released 171, finished it, and then released 171A. Very annoying because I need the, the, the A series documents to know how to verify those controls. The simultaneous release here took a little bit longer, uh, you know, in terms of like their probably their overall plan. They wanted to be done by the end of this year probably not Q1 of next year, um, but it's much more efficient because we have all of the information now. We don't have one hand tied behind our back. So this is great. It, it, a true testament to how significant 171A is, is that we got the initial draft and there was a lot of questions. We got the final draft and it came with 170A's and, uh, 171A's initial draft and all of those questions instantly disappeared, right? Yeah, no, it's great. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. I, 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 big props to NIST for having them both out at the same time, big props for them having an extended comment period, taking the holidays into consideration, you know, big picture. For being on are, time, big props to NIST, period. Being on time, if not yeah, slightly faster than what they were saying, right? I mean, they said by the end of this year, it's November. They said they were gonna release at 10 a.m. They released it five minutes early. I mean. Yeah. They are a model for what you want to have happen in terms of their timeline. So when they say the final revision is coming out in the spring, believe them. It, it will happen in the spring. Believe that. Believe that. Okay. Uh, for people who are interested in information about the initial draft or more information about how to craft and, and keep track of your public comments, we will link to our presentations from uh, the live podcast at CS2 Denver, mm -hmm. the first 15 minutes goes into the details of the tailoring from the initial draft. The end of that 15 minute segment has a handy dandy flowchart that tells you sort of how to think about what's going on to craft your comments when you look at Appendix C of the final draft uh, for how NIST has made their tailoring decisions. Very useful resource, only takes about 15 minutes to watch. 
So people should check that out. The rest of the housekeeping details about potential changes and things like that, a lot of it is boilerplate information. A lot of it is NIST speak. A lot of it is front matter in the documents that people can read for themselves. Please read the documents. Um, so we're not going to repeat them to you because that's probably what every post on LinkedIn is doing currently. Instead, we're going to dive right into the numbers, right into the numbers yeah. here. You know okay. I love numbers. Big numbers guy. Big numbers guy. Okay, Jason. So 801.71 Rev 3. I think the mm -hmm. big question that everybody has is how many requirements are there? Well, Jacob, you will be surprised to learn that from 171 Rev 2 to Rev 3, we have a 14% decrease in the amount of requirements that you have. A decrease. Yeah, a decrease. Can you believe that? Everybody thought it was going to go up. They added so much stuff here. Three new domains, like uh, three more new control families. You thought it was going to go completely, you know, like through the roof. We're going to be at 140, 150, right? So no, we're at 95, Jacob, 14% decrease from 110. So, so 80171 Rev 2 has 110 requirements. Right. And 80171 Rev 3 final draft has right. 95 requirements. Right. 95 practices to be implemented to, to achieve. What, 110 to 95 is a 14% decrease. That is a, but don't, that is a true fact. Now, <laughs> I think people could probably tell, uh, the document, the the amount of stuff that you need to do did not go down. It is an illusion. However, it is true that there are fewer requirements in 171 Rev 3 final draft than there are in 171 Rev 2 if you are only counting the total number of top level requirements. Yeah, because and this is going to be a true testament to the importance of 171A because when you see the disparity between what is represented in the illusion by just looking at 171 and then you actually dive into 171A, you're going to be like like on yeah. on the wire, whoa, you know, like you're going to step it, back. You know, and like, this is a theme. <laughs> you like, this is a theme. This is a theme that we're going to pull out throughout this episode and throughout our our coverage of the developments for you know, our deep dives into this into this material in the future. You must, if you've learned anything from this podcast in the last year that we've been doing it, you must understand 800-171A if you want a complete picture of what your requirements are, if you want to be sex successful in your CMMC assessment, if, if there's any other secondary issue that stems from 800-171 compliance, implementation, whatever you want to call it, you must orient your program, your understanding, your education, whatever, around 171A, because you will be misled if you only look at 800-171. It's been like that for Rev 2 and before, and it continues to be like that through these drafts. Okay. Well, just because those numbers are less doesn't mean that there's less to do. What NIST right. wanted to do was consolidate the document, and they did that. Yes. Yesterday, yes. what they and, said they so also... Yeah, they're not trying to trick you, right? No. But one of the things that they say in their boilerplate language is that we have merged and combined requirements for ease of use and understanding, right? Because so when you read through it, it's no tricks involved. It's actually very smooth. Like, very straightforward. Like, very yeah. straightforward. However, and I think this is the problem, is no good deed goes unpunished. And when you right. and as we'll see with specific examples, when you merge and combine distinct and independent requirements you have a gap that forms between what is written in 171 and what has to happen in 171A. Now that gap is very extreme between 171 Rev 2 
and 171A currently, which you know we'll get into those numbers. That gap is smaller here in the final revisions, however, or the final drafts of the revisions, but it still exists. So you cannot rely solely on 171. Okay. So from my front row seat yesterday, Jacob, Vicky said one of the things she emphasized was there is significant changes to ODPs inside 171. Mm. Significant. Uh, so what do the numbers tell us? When okay. we looked at it, what, what, what do the numbers tell us? Okay, so when you look through 171 Rev 3 final draft and you count up all the ODPs, all the organizationally defined parameters, these are variables that exist in the text of the requirements that need to be specified or defined. They are frequencies of activities. They are specific personnel. They are specific things. Uh, you know, the details of what you're doing in the control have to be specified. They're left open-ended because NIST tries to create controls that are as flexible as possible. They're mm -hmm. left up to the organization, which is a whole debate in and of itself that right. NIST goes into in the verbiage of, uh, of the documents here. Um, and so ODPs were very confusing to people in the initial draft because they had never seen them before. Even though they had always existed under the surface in 171A. Long story short, they still exist in the final drafts. However, compared to the initial draft, we're breaking our rule here of not comparing the initial draft. Compared to the initial draft, there's a 60% decrease. There are only 44 ODPs in the Rev 3 final draft. So it is significant in the sense that there are fewer than there were in the initial public draft. However, there aren't really fewer as as few as it might seem primarily because uh as far as we can tell in our sort of initial pass of the document here uh, uh the odp that says assignment organizationally defined time period seems to yeah. have been replaced with the word periodically and the brackets disappear and now it's no longer a odp it's an actual full out determination statement it, yeah and so now you're like okay um I need to, let's say, for instance, I need to, um, you know, I need to conduct backups on a regular yeah. basis. And it says, okay, the traditional way that NIST would write this control is uh, organizationally defined time period for how often you're going to conduct backups. And people went, whoa, 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 we don't like that. So they said, no problem, everybody. Conduct your backups periodically. Mm -hmm. Well, guess what's going to happen? To verify that you are conducting backups, you're going to have to say what the period the period is that you're conducting yeah, you're going to like, the, you're gonna have to define the period you're going to still have to specify yeah. what that frequency is whether it's formatted as an odp or whether it's worded as periodically or occasionally or every once in a while it doesn't really matter how the odps are are so worded. in the evolution in rev 2 it was worded pretty much the same way it's worded now just a, a little bit Correct. more clear now um so what they did was from rev 2 to the ipd last time we talked about it for, for the most part, they put brackets on it. People didn't like the brackets. It didn't make sense right there. So NIST removed those brackets in a certain amount of occasions. And, and now you yeah. do decrease the number of uh, yeah. ODPs by 60%, right? Yeah. So, so you know, significant decrease, sort of. Uh, did they really go away? Not really. No. Make sure you check out the language at the, at the top of the document. NIST is very specific. They are not the organization that specifies organizationally defined yep. values, right? Who the organization is, is context dependent. For instance, DOD contractors via DFAR 7012 are required to retain 
incident-related information for up to 90 days. So if you had a control that talked about data retention post-incident, right, you are contractually obligated, you have an externally driven requirement to have that data retained for at least 90 days. So your organizationally defined value for that parameter would be at least 90 days. Yep. Now, if you are not a DOD contractor and you have no such requirement externally for post-incident data retention, you get to define what you, it might be. We don't keep data at all, or we keep it for a day, or we keep it for a year. In that context, you are the organization because there is no external executive order that you're subject to, contract clause that you're subject yep, to, laws, SLA no, that enough. you're yep. subject to, right? So NIST is not going to define the ODPs for you. Now, this brings up a, a hairy situation that we've talked about before. 800-171 is supposed to be the minimum baseline for all federal contractors. And as a result, some of these ODPs probably should be standardized as minimum values. Not all of them, but some of them. And if you have every federal agency specifying different values for the ones they care about for their contractors, guess what you have? You have a bunch of different baselines. You don't have a minimum baseline. You've defeated the purpose of 800-171 as a universal baseline that we started back in 2015. Now, is DOD going to define ODPs? We'll have to see. Is NARA going to wake up and remember that they're the executive agent in charge of the CUI program and then clonk some heads together and get ODPs defined? We'll have to see. For now, as a reminder, ODPs already exist, even though they're not called that in 171 and 171A as they currently exist. Every time you had to define or specify something in 171A, you're doing an ODP, even though it's not labeled as an ODP. So this isn't new stuff. Don't panic. Just something to keep an eye on. I would be very surprised if DOD doesn't eventually come out with some kind of guidance for the ones that they yeah. care about. Because the agencies are currently not getting along, obviously. D DHS is doing their thing. DOD is doing their thing. The dream of NARA... Uh, you know, keeping everybody in line seems to be fraying at the at the edges here. So I think we're going to see specific values from specific agencies before we see specific values from, you know, a collective of agencies. That's just my hunch. Absolutely. Did you see any like other um, numbers to point out in, in the 171 draft that, yes. that, that were significant? Okay, so so here's a, a, a phrase that isn't actually a NIST phrase. This is sort of what we call it, right? So uh, there's a, a concept uh, called control items. So if you look at an 853 control, they are they have multiple lines in them. And this is reflected in the initial draft and the final draft of 171 Rev 3. There are multiple lines for one requirement. For instance, 313.1 boundary protection has three items, A, B, and C. Monitor and control some stuff, implement some stuff, connect to external things and do some stuff. Outcomes. Right? There's, there's three things, even though it's one requirement. There are three control items for one control requirement. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, 171 Rev 2 and, and prior since 2015 has only had single line requirements. Every requirement has one item. And this is where the disparity between 171 and 171A really blows up in people's faces because you have many multi-step procedures that you have to get through in 171A to verify what seems like a single line item, right? Yeah. Now, they did this to try to make it as um, 
easy to read and use as possible. But in my opinion, and I think, you know, probably anecdotally from people who have worked with the standard, it, it actually doesn't do that because it just forces you to have to go look for what the answer is. Now, the new formatting is closer to 53 in that they took the pieces of the, the control items from 53 controls and they mm -hmm. put them into 171. So we have multi contr multiple control items per requirement. The reason I bring this up is that there's 110 control items in 800-171 Rev 2, but there are 266 control items in 171 Rev 3 final draft, which is technically a 142% increase. So again, if you only look at 171 Rev 2 to Rev 3 final, it's going to look like it has gone up 142%. Right. But as we're going to talk about, the actual percent increase in 171A is not that large, right? And so that's why it's very important to pay attention to 171A because the percent increase is a lot smaller than comparing the 171 version. So a lot of traps, a lot of illusions in the 171 documents. Uh, just and, one, and, other, one other thought okay. here in terms of the increase. We talked about how the revisions were triggered by 853 revisions, right? 853 Rev 5 added 47 controls to the moderate baseline that 171 is derived from, but only about 30% of those controls are actually represented in this final draft of 171 Rev 3, and almost all of them are only partially represented. So the increase in 171A, the increase in the Rev 3 Delta the increase in control items is not due to net new requirements. And this is something I really want to stress to people. Do not worry. Don't freak out about the Delta of Rev3 being a bunch of net new stuff. The majority of the new things that are in, the new items that need to be implemented and verified are expansions of existing requirements in 171 Rev2. So... Mm -hmm. It's one of those things where it's like, do you wait on 171 Rev 3 final, final, final before you start on your implementation? Or do you sort of look at the details and say they're just they're just doing more of the same things that 171 Rev 2 is already asking for? So don't wait for Rev 3 to start from scratch. You know, don't think that your Rev 2 work is going to go out the window. You know, it's still perfectly uh, you know, in line with what's going on. It's a revision. It's mostly an expansion of existing activities the net new stuff is actually a very small percentage overall of the increase in the Rev3 Delta. Now, we're going to move over to 171 Alpha and we're going to dig deeper and, and, and help you understand this. But just to be clear about this the, from the surface of 171, we said that there were 95 requirements and it's a 14% decrease. And then we said there are 266 control items and that's 142% increase. And that's because if, when you go through and you look at the draft, you will see certain controls from Rev2, which have been withdrawn and incorporated. And those Correct. withdrawn and incorporated are now those new line items that appear in these. And in right. addition to that, there's no compound statements anymore. It is single line item statements. So what may have been one determination statement in Rev2 has now been broken up into one, two, or three in Rev3. Yeah, it is which very is the clear, right, which slow, is the right thing granular. to do overall. Yeah. That is that is the, be the the better trend. As we'll see, there are still some spots where they combine things, and that causes this disparity. Now, that isn't completely eliminated in the 853 world. There is a disparity between the number of ODPs in 53 and the number of ODPs in 53A because of this combination effect. It's just 
it's just amplified in the stylistic decisions of 171 that I think makes it worse. It's that pro that, that problem is not really a problem in 53A because that ratio is so small. The ratio is much much wider here, and so it's just it's just exacerbated, right? On top of the fact that most people dealing with 171 don't have a 53 background, so it just it just seems very confusing. Okay, so I, I was going to say. You have said constantly there is a non-zero number of determination statements now that we're talking about them that would increase when the Rev3 came out. What What's that number? Like, what was the final? Yeah, so so in terms of the increase from 171 Rev, 171A Rev2 to, or sorry, 171A to 171 Rev2, quick side note, quick side note. We went uh, from 171A to 171A Rev3 right? We didn't have a Rev 1. We didn't have a Rev 2. We're going straight to Rev 3 to match the revision numbers. So we're not missing we, anything. We asked, we asked and they delivered. I love yes, it. Yes. They did this with 53A as well. Uh, so they've, they've, they, they've matched the revision numbers, even though uh, there is no uh, 171A Rev 1 or Rev 2. So just, just keep that in mind. Okay. okay. So the Delta from 171A to 171A Rev 3 there are 320 assessment objectives in 171A currently. There are 445 asse uh, uh, assessment objectives, determination statements, whichever one you want to call them, in 171A Rev 3. Now, quick note. Sometimes you'll hear them called assessment objectives. Sometimes you'll hear them called determination statements. The difference is semantic. There is a reason why they're different things, but colloquially, it doesn't really matter. You're going to hear them used interchangeably. Call them whatever you want. Determination statements, assessment objectives doesn't doesn't really really matter at the end of the it's day. still now, things that you have to do to achieve there's still things that you have to answer yes. you have to you have to complete all of those line items for that control to be considered fully implemented correct okay so the jump from 320 to 445 is a 39 percent increase 39 percent now Here's the thing, right? We said that the number, the jump in control items from 171 Rev 2 to 171 Rev 3 was 142%. But the jump in assessment objectives in 171A is only 39%, which just reinforces the fact that the formatting, the presentation of the requirements in 171 is mostly arbitrary, right? The, mm -hmm. It's helpful. There's a lot of helpful information in there, but you have to have both of them together. This is why I wish it was a single document instead of two different documents, right? Just again, you have to pay attention to what the details are in 171A. Okay, now a detail of how the ODPs are broken down. If you look at 853A Rev 5, the formatting is much cleaner than the formatting in this draft. Now, I think they will match the stylistic formatting in the final revision, but for right now, it's a bit hard to look at. It's a bit overwhelming. You just kind of got to be patient with it, right? Uh, I would say look at the 53A Rev 5, which we'll link to, for an example of what it will probably look like as a finished product. Sure. The big thing that people will notice is that 171A now includes ODPs as determination statements, which is the right. way that 53 and 53A have always worked. If you have to have a defined parameter to verify a control, then you have to verify that the parameter was defined, right? Correct. Because if we're testing to make sure that backups are operating and we don't have a regular frequency for when we conduct backups, what are we testing, right? Like Correct. that's part of, that's part of the control. 
Okay, so when you look at that, you'll see that they have it broken down almost like pseudocode, where the top of 171A says ODP, 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 define, define, define. And mm-hmm. then it gives you a, what people would probably consider a traditional determination statement that says, do a thing, do a thing, do a thing, do a thing with this ODP. So Correct. It's, you're going to define the ODPs, you're gonna define your variables at the top, and you're gonna call those variables lower down in your code, if you will, right? It's essentially, surprise, surprise, NIST wrote their verification statements like pseudocode is essentially the way that I would describe it. Now, when you break it down this way, of the 445 total determination statements, 56 of them are ODPs, whereas 389 of them are what people would recognize as regular determination statements. Now, we were having a bit of a debate about this. Uh, Is an ODP in 171A a determination statement? Yes. I think I'm coming around to the fact that it is because you have to determine Thanks. that the ODPs. Welcome to the dark side. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, I mean, it makes it makes sense. But just realize ODPs are now also determination statements. This is exactly how 53A is set up. So it's going to seem new. It's it's not actually new. That's the way that the formatting should have occurred. Realistically, ODPs so nice, NIST asked you to do them twice because you're going to have to define, <laughs> right? Like you're going to have to go through the control and on some controls like leads privilege, you're going to have to do 10 of them. And then um, you're going to have to define. And then it has its own assessment objectives. that says, hey, you know that thing that you just had to do? Do it again. So it's so nice you do it twice. So, so, you know, going from 320 in 171A now to 445 is a 39% increase. If you just take the ODPs out, you end up with uh, 389 determination statements. That's a 22% increase. So we're talking about a significant increase above the Mm -hmm. current version of 171A. Just depends on which way you look at it, but at a minimum, it's going up 22%. Uh, if you if you look at the ODPs as well, it's going up 30, 39%. Much smaller okay. than the uh, you know illusion of increase in 171. You got to pay attention to both. Okay, quickly, let's talk about ODPs. I guess a little bit more because it's it, it was the number one thing that was brought up in the public comments on the initial. All the rage in the comments was what's is, up with ODPs. That, that that was a thing. A lot of it was who defines them. That's mm-hmm. a context-dependent issue that we talked about earlier. Still uh, another part was people just didn't like them altogether. Something that jumped out to me about the ODPs is this this delta, this this ratio problem between 171 and 171A. And this is a coincidence. We didn't draw it up this way. We didn't petition them. This is this is hilarious. There are in our initial reading seven requirements in 171 Rev three final draft that have a disparity with their ODPs compared to 171A. 3.1.5, lease privilege, 3.1.20, external systems, 3.2.1 and 3.2.2, awareness and training, 3.4.6, lease functionality, 3.5.5, identifier management, and 3.14.1, flaw remediation, all have fewer ODPs in 171 than they do in 171A. Primarily, the reason this occurs is because they, NIST, combined the ODPs into a single line for readability, for usability, for- Into a control statement. Yeah, it's into a control statement. And then when you get into the alpha um, document, that's when it gets dissected and you have all the things that you have to do. And you'll see it, least privilege, right out the gate, bro. It's like, hey, look at this cool in 171, this cool one ODP. Then you get to the the one seventy one a, and it's like, oh hi, all these ten things. Yeah, there's ten of them, right? Yeah. yeah. So in that so one, like, right, it says you have to define ports, protocols, services, so on, yep. so on, and so on. And then you go over to one seventy one a, and it says 
define the ports. And then the once again, very clear. I never, so, I did not see one ODP of what needed to be done or determination statement where I was like, what are you asking me to do? Right. Yeah, they are very clear. But again, I know we've said it a million times so far in this episode. You got to look at 171A. If you only look at 171, you're going to get caught flat-footed and you're going to you're going to get you're going to get messed up either in your internal assessments or, you know, heaven forbid, your external assessments whenever it's right. showtime. So, it's just I think it's I think it's funny there was <laughs> there were 7 so far. We'll have to go back and double check. Everybody, you know, take a close look. Make make your public comments when it comes to it, but it's not on purpose. We do not do this on purpose. Right? Yeah, we don't pull out just seven things. <laughs> now it, it just happens. Have, like I said, we're going to have some deep dives into specific families. We're going to have some deep dives into specific controls. But you know, at a high level, just be aware that there is a disparity in the ODPs. The ODPs still do exist. Okay, moving okay. on. Categorization changes. There is no single more efficient lever there is no more effective leverage point there is no other thing that determines the size of 171a and thus uh you know the cost of cmmc assessments than the categorization decisions that nist has against the moderate baseline in 853 so they have categorized the 287 controls in the moderate baseline originally in one of four ways either an nco control this 853 control and all of its control items are not related to protecting the confidentiality of cui Mm -hmm. as a fed control this 853 control and all of its control items are only related to federal Federal issues federal requirements federal systems this is a standard for non-federal systems so those are out an nfo Mm -hmm. control which naughty naughty were assumptions that nist made about what rational self-interested organizations would have implemented on their own and so they weren't specified as requirements they were assumed okay. to already exist we'll talk about that in a minute and then cui controls those 853 controls and some number of their control items that are related to protecting the confidentiality of cui so okay out of the 287 controls in the 853 Rev5 moderate baseline, any control that is categorized as something other than CUI will never show up in 171. Therefore, it will never show up in 171A. Therefore, it will not be assessed by programs like CMMC. Okay. If a control in the moderate baseline is categorized as CUI, you can see their categorization decisions in Appendix C of the 171 final draft. If they are categorized as CUI, then at least some number of that control's control items will be represented in 171. Therefore, ODPs and determination statements will show up in 171A. Therefore, Mm -hmm. it will be a cost factor, time factor, complexity factor in your CMMC assessments. So go back and look at the presentation from Summit Up Live at CS2 Denver. Your public comments trying to influence NIST to change things to be relevant to CUI or to change things to be not relevant to CUI is the number one thing that will influence the size and scope and cost of this standard, period. Right. Okay. That's how the categorization works. There are, like I said, 287 controls in the moderate baseline. Only about 150 of them are considered to be relevant uh, to CUI in this draft, this draft set of categorization decisions. Now, 
in the pre-draft public comments back in 2022, the number one trend in the public comments was NFO controls are bad. Stop making assumptions. We know that companies aren't implementing these requirements on their own. If you want it to be a requirement, you have to specify it. If you don't want it to be a requirement, then categorize it as something else. Make up your mind. And they got rid of a bunch of them in the initial draft, but they still were around. In the final draft, they have completely eliminated NFO controls. There is no 853 control that is categorized as NFO in Appendix C. That is a true fact. Just like there is a decrease in the overall number of requirements, that is true, but not really. But not there's so fast. A new, there's a new categorization. That's uh, what we like. Let's the, just throw some more fuel to the fire. The ORC, the ORC, the ORC category. Orc these controls. are these are 853 controls in the moderate baseline that NIST says the outcome of the control relating to the protection of the confidentiality of CUI is adequately covered by other related controls. Okay. There was a strong theme in the initial draft public comments that people felt like the requirements were redundant and they were satisfied by other requirements. And I have yep. significant issues with this decision because okay. 853, this is a, this is a longer conversation we'll have to do in a different episode. The, the long of it, the long and short of it is 853 has evolved over 20 years to withdraw and incorporate, withdraw and incorporate tons and tons of controls. They have been refining this catalog of controls to eliminate redundancy for two decades to the point where the controls in the 853 catalog, now more than a thousand of them are all incredibly distinct from one another. They are heavily related, but they are different from one another. And any time NIST has identified redundancy or duplication, they have withdrawn a control and incorporated it into another control to get rid of it. This is a derivative standard of 853. And when I see them categorize 853 controls as this is satisfied by some other control, that mm -hmm. makes me think you're identifying a ton of redundancy in the 853 catalog, which we know isn't there because we just got done revising 853. 800-171 categorization decisions are not the place, in my opinion, are not the place for you to be identifying and changing 853 issues. That's an 853 revision issue. The derivative standard needs to reflect the source material, right? Now, they're trying to speed up their 853 revision process. I know this is a little bit in the weeds. I do not like the ORC categorization. I do not think that it is helpful. I think that it is NFO assumptions by another name. I think it's an easy way out for NIST to keep the overall increase in the number of requirements and assessment objectives artificially low. And I think that the trend in public comments of people thinking that requirements are duplicative or redundant is because of this merging and combining and obscuring of the source material in these single line items that it's very difficult to be able to see how distinct the individual controls are. And so it created this misperception that it's very duplicative. And NIST responding to public comments isn't really fixing the problem. I don't like it. I don't think it's smart. A lot of my public comments are going to take issue with the ORC categorizations. Uh, it, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. So I agree with you on um, like the um, 
the ones that don't make sense that you can't map to things. But then there was ones like split tunneling where it makes total sense, right? Split tunneling, it, it says in the draft, is achieved by doing three, sure. one, four, five, six, seven, sure. all that stuff, right? Which is true. All those little elements complete to stopping split tunneling, which uh, whatever it may be, right? However, what we've discovered, and this is just knee jerk. I mean, like we haven't had time to really sit down and dig into this. Like, um, but like if we were able to fully sit down and dig in, we might see that like, it doesn't make a lot of sense in a lot of the cases. And, yeah, and that's- I, I think that the disparity, you know, there might be some situations where you're like, yeah, this could be right. But mm-hmm. I don't think that, I don't think that, you know, like I said, only, uh, you know, about 15 of the 47 new controls are even represented. And those, a lot of those new controls aren't represented because they are considered ORC now. And all you got to do is look at the SA family of controls in Appendix C. These are your system and service acquisition controls, how sure. you deal with external service providers, your SLAs, your, your agreements, your contracts, whatever, your terms of service, mm-hmm. right? If your agreements with your external service providers are satisfied by other requirements, please, someone in the chat, in the comments, someone tell me what control from 853 outside of the SA family is going to satisfy a control in the SA family, right? And I think that you can go down the list and more often than not, I just don't think that the logic is going to hold up, but that's what the public comment period is for. That's what I'm going to be focusing on a lot. Probably so, going to hear us ranting about it quite a bit. I don't like the ORC thing. I think it's, I think it's, I think that it was good progress to get rid of NFOs. I think they... I think they went two steps forward and one step back, NFO to ORC. So in the public comments, people were up in arms about ODPs. People weren't up in arms about NFOs. Those were addressed. The ODPs were addressed. NFOs were addressed. And the other thing that they were up in arms about, which leads to our next point, is 312.5, which was was not anymore, independent assessments. Independent assessment. Independent what assessment. happened to it? It's not there independent anymore. Assessment. Independent assessment is not in the document. Independent assessment is not in the document because NIST decided that 171 was going to change, right? I'm getting a little bit, I'm I'm splitting hairs here. Independent assessment is not in 171 because the source control in 853 was recategorized, right? This is a perfect example. If you don't like a requirement that is represented in 171 right now, you have Mm -hmm. to go to Appendix C and tell NIST, according to that flowchart in the video from, from CS2 Denver, why yep. is this not related to protecting the confidentiality of CUI? Categorize it as Fed or NCO or NFO or ORC or ABCD, EFG, whatever you want to categorize it. It's not related mm-hmm. to protecting CUI. So Absolutely. here in the final draft, they said independent assessment is an NCO control. It is not related to protecting the confidentiality of CUI, which, oh boy. Okay, <laughs> let's just let's just think about what the situation on the ground is, the empirical situation on the ground. We know that 800 by and large, is not being implemented because there is no external verification mechanism. That is the entire mm-hmm. motivation for the DoD to create the CMMC program, to take flack about the program, to spend years in rulemaking, to, to, to go through all that pain and administrative cost of developing this program, it's because they don't have assurance that minimum protections for their data on contractor systems are being implemented, right? So we know 
we know that without a without an independent assessment mechanism, these controls are not going to be implemented. And we know mm -hmm. that these controls represent the government-wide standard, the federal-wide standard for protecting the confidentiality of CUI. So big, big picture here, if the standard isn't being implemented, the confidentiality of the data isn't being protected. And if independent assessments contribute to the implementation of the requirements, it is related to protecting the confidentiality of CUI. Therefore, independent assessments should be categorized as a CUI control and not categorized as an NCO control. Thanks for listening to my TED Talk for this public comment. That's something that I'm going to say in the public comments. I think it is related to protecting the confidentiality of CUI because we know that without it, the controls don't get implemented. I, I can't agree with you anymore. It's just basically shuffling into something else because it's not a part of the problem. Yeah, Jacob, so we've we've gotten to the end of our list of the high level things, right? We have one more thing to go and it's going to be the question that everybody asks, right? Because they've already asked questions about ODPs, NFOs, OPP, ORC, all that good stuff, right? The PRC, whatever, you know? And, and so realistically- <laughs> Categorize this PRC is hilarious, dude. The one thing that we haven't touched yet, right? This is strictly <laughs> China, okay? China. Um, so listen- the last thing, and we know the only question that's going to be asked is what the people are going to ask after they read it. And when is this going to be required? Oh, boy. Save the best for last. When is it required to implement 171 Rev 3? Okay. Um, the final revisions of these two documents will be finalized in spring of 2024. Mm -hmm. For DOD contractors, DFARS 7012, your contract clause, says mm -hmm. that you have to implement the version of 800-171 that is current as of the time of your solicitation. So if Absolutely. it's Rev 1, Rev 2, Rev 3, Rev 9 mm -hmm. in the future, can't wait for Rev 9, then you have to implement that version. That is a problem because what happens when the delta from Rev 2 to Rev 3 goes up 39%? How much time do you have to implement the delta? Which but we've covered this. We've covered this in the show. We've talked about this in the past with Lauren Ayers, former contract officer extraordinaire, friend of the show, friend of CS2, friend of the right. DIB. Um, the DOD has a thing called a class deviation. This is essentially a waiver or an extension of a contractual obligation for some reason. Right. In the past, uh, DOD issued class deviations for people to catch up when uh, the 2016 DFARS rule came out. They said, the rule is out. It's official. You have to implement 800-171, and you have until uh, December of 2017 to do so. You have Absolutely. Basically, you have a class deviation of 12 months to get caught up, and then from there, you know, Bob's your uncle. Here, we're getting a revision, but this is independent of the DFARS 7012 rulemaking cycle. So where's the class deviation? So as of right now, we don't, wait, what? What did I say? Bob's your uncle, dude. It just, I just had, I had great talks <laughs> with Bob Metzger yesterday. It was just fun. It just reminded me. Everybody loves Bob Metzger. I love how he's the, he's the father of CMMC, the godfather of CMMC, the uncle of CMMC. He's everywhere. Just, just a genuine guy. Ducati everybody rider, dude. Everybody loves Bob. Okay. Wild hogs. We're waiting to hear when this class deviation is coming out because how much time are contractors going to have to implement the Delta? Is the Delta net new? Not really. A lot of it is just expansions of existing requirements, but it's still stuff that you got to do. It's still mm -hmm. things you got to account for. It's still stuff you got to spend time and money on. You can't just have it come out 
in May of 2024. And then the next day, everybody has it implemented. That's just not mm. how it works. We have not heard anything from DOD about whether there will be a class deviation or not. And that is very concerning. So anybody listening to this, call somebody and, you know, tag them on LinkedIn. Slide in the DMs. Let me know what's what's going on. What's the plan here? Now, remember, that's a 7012 issue. That's not a CMMC issue. This is, if CMMC wasn't even a thing, you would still have this problem. Right. But you there still, still has have... to be something there because the CMMC program managed by the DOD, right? Because that's yes. the, the PMO's office uh, has come out and openly said, and everybody that has a brain knows that there are significant things that are going to have to change about training and well, the training levels of the, yes. the ecosystem later episode. But you know what I'm saying? It, it's it's realistic now, to the, think that you're I, not going to be do this. I hate to do this to everybody, but it is the pointing Spider-Man thing. The CMMC program office is different from defense pricing and contracting, the Office of Acquisition and Sustainment in the Pentagon. They mm-hmm. are responsible for issuing class deviations over existing clauses. The CMMC mm-hmm. program office, although it is very heavily related, is not actually in charge of that. So, you know, we moved CMMC out of the Acquisition and Sustainment office famously back in 2021 uh, under the, the flag of CMMC 2.0. Mm-hmm. It's no longer in ANS, and ANS is responsible for coming up with class deviations. So maybe moving CMMC out of ANS wasn't a good idea because now there's a disconnection between the requirements in 7012 and the CMMC program. Now that brings up your point. What is CMMC going to assess against? Because this is going to be final in May of 2024 based off of our analysis of how long it takes for a proposed rule, which is what we think we're going to get here in the next few weeks. Mm-hmm. to go to a final rule, you've got about a year. So there's going to be a gap of about nine to 10 months when CMMC Rev 3 is final and when CMMC assessments start to roll out. What happens if the CMMC program is updated to match Rev 3, but DOD hasn't issued a class deviation? What if the CMMC program has been updated, but DOD has issued a class deviation, right? So if DOD issues a class deviation that is two years long and CMMC starts one year into that class deviation, everybody's got a waiver. So you won't be assessed against Rev3. Nobody knows, right? Nobody knows. What I would say is uh, you you will eventually be assessed against Rev3. When that happens, we don't know. This may be another reason why it pays off to be an early adopter at the front of the line. Because now you've got your roadmap for an improvement, right? What am I going to do over the next couple of years now that I've got my once? Oh, wait a minute. Well, you know, if you really want to game it, if you really want to game it, this is the the ironic part of being tuned into your security is if you are fully implemented on 171 Rev 2 and you're ready to go for your CMMC assessment, based off the way it looks right now, the first group of companies to go through probably won't be assessed against Rev 3 based off class deviations and all this Mm -hmm. stuff. So the people who are the most capable of implementing the new revisions probably can get away with taking longer to implement those revisions if they really want to. Whereas companies that wait longer and longer are more likely to get assessed against a larger standard. So it's cheaper to go faster because you may get assessed against the smaller, easier standard than waiting longer And then by the time you can actually get an assessment due to assessment constraints that we've talked about in the past, the standard will have caught up. The class deviation will have expired. The CMMC assessment training will have caught up. 
and then you'll be getting assessed against rev three while your competitors got assessed against rev two. Right. Yep. So, you know, it's a weird dynamic. There's going to be all kinds of weird dynamics. There's a lot of details to dive into. There's a lot more information to dive into. Um, you know, we're going to have a lot of episodes that go into the details. We're gonna have a lot of blog posts that go into the details. Let us know in the comments. Let us know in the chat. What do you think of the standard? What do you think with what's going on? Make sure you submit your public comments and, uh, it's, really important. It's, it's a lot. I mean, NIST always receives comments, but this is really important. This is rev there's a lot day. of things. You no, know, I yeah. wish we could. I, I I wish we could talk to Ron Ross about this close to Veterans Day. I wish we could talk to Ron Ross about what's going on in the standard. I think that'd be really cool. Um, and I would just say that if you have questions that you would like to ask Ron, maybe let us know in the comments or let us know in the chat right now before we end here. What would you ask Ron? Because you know we might just be talking to him soon as well. Say. Make sure you tune in next week, everybody. Uh, like and subscribe. Submit your comments to NIST. Pester DOD about your class deviations. And we'll see you for an emergency podcast, hopefully in a couple days when the CMMC rule comes out. It's it's ha it's the holidays. Everybody's getting presents. What a Happy day. Rev 3 day. Happy see Rev 3 week. day, everybody. All right. See, see you next week.